handle here for hour number two of uh, the legal show. And the phone number here is uh, 800-520-1534. Best time to call, always the top of uh, the hour. And, uh, oh, hi, Tessa. There you are. You're yawning, so obviously you're bored silly already. Good morning. Good morning. I missed you. Oh, yes, you did. Of course you did. And there is a Blake who never misses me no matter what. All right? I could be gone a year and a half, and uh, he wouldn't miss me. Okay. Say what we have going today, this morning. Uh, not a lot, actually. Not a lot. Let's get right into it. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Very interesting lawsuit out of Nashville, Tennessee. A Nashville woman is suing a man for $1 million. Uh, She was dating him for four years and accidentally butt-dialed him while he was in the midst of a sexual encounter with another man, which she had no idea that he was of the, the homosexual or bisexual variety. And that phone call, which she listened to, was one hour and 28 minutes. How do you have sex for an hour and 28 minutes? I mean, I can see 30, 40 seconds. I get that. Okay, but come on. An hour, 28 minutes? And uh, so, oh, it gets better than that. She and this guy, uh, Gregory Cole, first met in 2010. Uh, They reconnected in 2014. They sort of fell apart. And then at that point formed a sexual relationship which lasted until last year. And she believed him to be heterosexual and monogamous until April of 2018 when uh, he accidentally calls uh, the girlfriend on the cell phone during that sexual encounter. And uh, the woman says she listened to the entire call, which included explicit sexual conversations and narrating various actions in which he and his male partner were engaging. Right. You get the kangaroo over there, and uh, I'll pick up uh, the bicycle chain, and there's a chandelier right above us. We're going to have a time of our lives. Okay, she later contacts him uh, about what she had overheard, but he won't talk to her about him. Uh, She decides to get tested for STD, and she finds she was infected with genital herpes, which, of course, is not particularly cur- uh, curable. But at the same time, it's genital herpes. That's why God invented a cyclovore. And uh, she attempted to discuss uh, the matter with him. Her physician detem- uh, attempted to discuss the matter with him, and he refused. Uh, and that's all there is to it. And she had previously tested negative for STDs and says she had not had any other sexual partner since. So she sues him for a million dollars. Battery. Infliction of emotional distress, intentional and neglect, negligence, and fraud. I mean, those are pretty serious civil uh, trials, uh, civil case, uh, civil uh, allegations. So uh, she is going to go to court in front of a jury. Here's the problem. You get 12 jurors. Statistically, how many of them had genital herpes? A lot. And so, obviously, the attorney uh, for the plaintiff is going to ask... Have you, do you suffer from genital herpes? Do you happen to have these open, superating shankers all over the place? Hope you're having breakfast, by the way. And uh, then you go for it. 
And uh, you know, as I would, I would grant a uh, a judgment. Uh, would I give her a million dollars? I don't know. I mean, general herpes is incurable, uh, and it's no fun to have sex uh, while you have genital herpes. As in, no one can do it. Well, you can do it, but no one would in their right mind. Uh, it can be very painful. And if he gave her uh, the herps, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a lawsuit. Million dollars? Yeah, I don't know. If he gave me a million dollars, would I uh, contract a case of herpes? Probably. Where's the line? I mean, I understand HIV, AIDS, but where is the line? Is it a million dollars? I don't know. Depending on how broke you are. No. 50 bucks. Anyway, so uh, there's a case. She's going to win. And the only issue is what are the damages? Actually, I'm surprised she's only asking for a million dollars. Usually, whenever you sue for damages, it's uh, a million zillion gazillion dollars where most of the entire first page is zeros on the lawsuit. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take some, uh, take a phone call or two. Uh, hey, Ken, uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, hi, Bill. Uh, I'm a 72-year-old man, and uh, I've never been arrested in my entire life or gone to jail. Pillar of the community, squeaky clean, but last Monday night I was arrested and taken to jail. For what? For prowling on a property in a very wealthy neighborhood. Were you? No, I absolutely was not. Okay, what were, what, what were you doing? Okay, I'm basically retired, but I have a little driving service, and I have a few customers. And I was going to pick up a lady that I'd driven before. I took her to the airport, and uh, I, it was at 8 o'clock at night I was supposed to pick her up. And I got into the neighborhood, this very wealthy neighborhood, about 10 minutes early. So I pulled to the side of the road. I don't, I don't want to get there too early, maybe two minutes early. That's what I do. I pulled to the side of the road, and I'm just killing a few minutes in my car. I'm looking at my iPhone. There's a house kind of next to me, obscured by trees, and this man comes around these trees. And he's obviously the homeowner. He's a big, big guy. And he kind of looks at me, you know, how you do when you see somebody in your neighborhood and you're not sure, sure who they are. And so then he walks back into his on his property, and I drive away because, you know, he's obviously uncomfortable with me being there, which is fine. I understand. I drive a couple more blocks. I still have a couple minutes to kill, and I just idle my car there on the curb. He pulls up to me in a truck. He got his truck. He pulls up to me, rolls down the window, and he's in a rage. And he used every variation of the F word you can imagine. And he said, you were on my yard. I got you in my security camera. You were in my backyard. He said, if you ever come near my house again or near All my right. and you never And you never touched his property. You were out on the street, correct? I never got out of All right, car. got it. Okay. And okay. Now okay. what? Anyway, he berates me, and he says all this stuff, and he, he said he's going to kill me and kill my family, blah, blah, blah. And I, I tried to explain to him what I was doing. I was picking up a lady, a driver of the airport. Anyway, I throw up my hands. He won't listen to me. He drives away. I go pick up the lady. I come down the hill. He's waiting down at the bottom. He follows me. We go down this boulevard. With, with, a woman, with, a, with a woman in the car, correct? Yes, I have this little wow. All right. With my fingers. He follows me on the freeway to the 101 freeway, heading towards the airport. I go about two miles. I watch him. He's following me the whole time. Then I see these bright lights go on behind his car. It's a police cruiser. The police cruiser comes up behind me, pulls me over to the side. Another police cruiser comes. They get my license and, you know, my license plate and all that sort of thing, my driver's license. 
And I explained to him what happened, exactly what I just told you, which is exactly what happened. Okay. And they, and they said, well, he's got a whole different story about this. He says he has you on video camera, right. blah, blah, blah. You're prowling on his property. So I, they take me out of the car, you know, shake me down or whatever, you know, frisk me or whatever. And this goes on for 45, 50 minutes. I'm outside the car. There's four police cruisers, seven cops involved in this. And like they're busting El Chapo or something, you know. And so he's, he's down there talking to the cops. And he he says he has me on the, the okay. Hang on. Did did the woman uh, explain to the cops what happened? No, she's she's Chinese. She doesn't even speak English. She's sitting in the back of my car. All right. Uh, and she didn't even know about it. All right. So they arrested you. All right. So they arrest you after forty five minutes of dealing with you on the side of the road. Well, and, okay. But here's what happened. You know, we can't. This is not gone with the wind. We can't go on for ten minutes here. Okay. Anyway, they arrest me. There's no proof. The cops say I definitely, they definitely see me on the video. It's 100 percent certain. All right. No, it's 100. Okay. How did how, how did the cops see you on the video when this guy is following you? Well, apparently, uh, they could see it on his iPhone. Ah, okay, got it. And uh, they're saying that you were on the property and you have proof that you aren't correct because well, that I, video I, does that that video does not show you on the property. Is that correct? Absolutely not. Okay, they, they so what's your? I, I got it. So what's your question? And then I spent four hours in jail. Bail. Okay, which, well, so what's your... Court. I'm going to court next month. I Got have it. My question is, what recourse do I have? All right, you subpoena, first of all, you subpoena the woman. Okay. That's the first thing. I would get a lawyer because you have one hell of a lawsuit against both him and the police. Really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they said they saw a video that doesn't exist or doesn't show you on the property and they took your and they took his word for it, uh, and he claims, here's the video. See, here's what I don't understand. Here's the video of uh, of Ken on my property. And you're saying you were never on the property. So, all right, so the police could clearly see that's a lie. And they still arrested you based on what you're saying. Right, but that, what if they claim that they, didn't, that they didn't say they saw me on a video? They did many, many times, but what if they didn't? What if they deny it? All right, it? then, so let them deny it. In the meantime, uh, you have your story, he has his story, and you say absolutely not. He says yes, and you explain what happened. You explain that he followed you uh, because the arrest took place at the airport. No, not at the airport. On the one-on-one. All right, so it took place. So he, so he, here he is following you. The yeah. arrest takes place on the freeway as right. opposed to what's happening in the house. When did he call the police? We don't know. If the police didn't see the video, if the video, for example, doesn't exist, they, they won't bring the video in. No, there's no video. Neither, okay, anyway. so therefore the police said they saw a video, and you then, uh, your lawyer asks uh, the police officer, when did you see the video? How many times? And then they bring yeah. him up because he is the accuser here. Where is the video? Well, I don't have it anymore. Right. That's all he can say. So you, they'll dismiss the charges. I mean, uh, believe me, they're not even well, go, that, they're not even going to go to they're not even go to trial. And then you sue him and the police. Okay. Now do I get a get a lawyer? Yeah, you get a lawyer. lawyer that would take this on contingency. Yeah, that's the con- yes, it's a contingency case. So is there you, any way on handle on the law. You yes, you go to handle. Business? Yes, go to handleonthelaw.com. And there are lawyers that will handle this. Based on what you said, it looks like a pretty good case. Okay, great. Okay. And you were in jail for how long? Four years? Four hours. Four hours, right? I've spent $1,200 now. They pounded my car. Yeah, no, I know. It said that's all part of your damages. Don't worry about that. Incidentally, did you uh, find a boyfriend uh, during those four hours? Uh, And did he do strange things to you? No, I didn't. That wouldn't be allowed, no. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, unless you ask for it. Okay, uh, Ken, you've got you've got a good case there. You really actually do. Oh, that's, great! That's, I'm glad to hear that. I yeah, that's say the opposite. Yeah, know? that's uh, quite a story to say the least. All right, this is handle on the law. He used to meet me on the east side in the city where the sun goes And every day, you know where we ride through the back streets in a blue Corvette. And baby, you know I just wanna leave tonight. We can go anywhere. And uh, welcome back. Handle here. Uh, Handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Fernando. God, it sounds like an ABBA ABBA song, doesn't it? Every time I hear that name, I want to break into ABBA. Who, by the way, at one point, ABBA was bringing in more money into the Swedish economy than was Volvo. I mean, how about that? Are you impressed with that, Fernando? I am, absolutely. Excellent. All right, what, what can I do for you? Hey, how you doing? I got, um, let's see, I'm mid-40s, as is my brother. He just retired. We have a father who was biological, however not responsible, left us when we uh, we were young kids, less than five years old. Um, he has had a less than successful life. My brother and I have done okay. Um, now he has mounting medical bills. He's out of state. He is currently living with his ex-wife, who is also, they have a kid together. I guess he's my half-brother. Long story short... Um, just got a certified letter demanding back pay for medical bills and also living support. Hmm. Um, from him? From actually his estranged, well, his ex-wife who is now a cohabitant. Right. Now, I'm assuming uh, you didn't. Ha- it's not a lawyer letter. It's just her demand, correct? Yes. Okay. And uh, your question is? And my response for it, she's looking for about $20,000 in back pay. She mm. wants $1,000 a month, yeah. and there's an itemized list of yeah. what's required. All right. This is a uh, real complicated legal issue because there are a lot of a lot of parts to it. And uh, let me start with part number one. No, you're not responsible. Let me start with part number two. No, you're not responsible. The only thing I'm going to suggest you do is uh, get out a piece of paper And in Crayola, write the word no in big letters. And on the second uh, page, write as many FUs as you possibly can fit onto the paper. You have zero responsibility, Fernando. I love it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That was my assumption. I did read into some filial laws. No, 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 no. You have absolutely, you never, no kid ever has responsibility for a parent ever. And especially uh, an adult parent. Oh, no. It's just, uh, yeah, no, no. I wouldn't worry about it. It's a great story. You can tell uh, how people, how crazy this guy is. Uh, hello. Uh, all right, let me give you some phone numbers to call. I forgot to give them to you. We have a couple lines open. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. All right, uh, let's go back. Uh, hello, JD. Uh, you are up. What can I do for you? Yeah, I was wondering, you go to court if uh, someone puts a lien against your house, and how do you find out if someone puts a lien okay, against Okay, and what do you mean house? you go to court if someone puts a lien against your house? Uh, just do, do Because you if to- someone goes to, puts a lien against your house, you go to court, it doesn't do anything other than a lien. I mean, it's not a legal case, it's just a lien, saying uh, if the, in the event they sell the property... Uh, I get the this amount of money off of the lien. Now, theoretically, you can foreclose on the lien, but that almost never happens. Uh, so, uh, lien from whom for how much money, JD? 
$4,884 from a subcontractor that did my roof for a contract. Oh, yeah. Now, did you actually get the lien filed, or was it a preliminary notice of lien? Uh, no, I haven't received anything yet. I'm just wondering if he did, how you find out if some. Oh, it's a public record, to... J.D., it's a, it's a public record. It's in uh, it's, uh, the recorder's office. will have it. It's just part of your title. You just pull your entire title, and there will be a lien recorded on it. And if it's a preliminary notice of lien, which subcontractors put on property, it happens virtually all the time. It doesn't mean anything unless the subcontractor is not paid, and even then he has to sue you, and it gets really – it's merely a a way of protecting themselves. The law allows subcontractors to do that, and it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put a lien on. What it means is – if I well, here's what it is. If I'm a subcontractor, I've done work for you and I haven't gotten paid, or even before the job starts, I put a preliminary notice of lien saying if I don't get paid, I can go after you, and I'm going to protect myself by putting the lien on the house. You can bond to the lien to remove it. There's a bunch of things you can do. So at this point, I wouldn't worry about it. There's no court case. Uh, I don't even know if there's a lien actually put on the house. So you probably you go to court. No, there's nothing to go to court. You bond to it. Now, theoretically, you can go to court to have it removed, but uh, if it's legitimate, he hasn't gotten paid, it's a legitimate lien. I wouldn't worry yeah. about it is what I'm telling you, okay? So it's just in case I sell the house, then? Yeah, don't worry about it. If you sell the house, he gets the money theoretically, but in, during the escrow period, you're fighting it. There's You're way premature on this one. Way premature, as I have been most of my life. All right, uh, let me tell you uh, about your identity. According to a recent report, the number of confirmed data breaches in 2018 increased 400% from 2017. There was also a 71% jump in dark web activity. And this number is staggering. The number of identity records that actually changed hands, almost 15 billion of those records. So how do you keep yourself reasonably or as safe as I know how, and that's LifeLock. What LifeLock uh, detects is an identity theft issue. Someone's trying to grab your identity. Uh, And it is, well, I I can tell you it works. Uh, It uh, pulled my daughter's chestnuts out of the fire several months ago. And that's important because my daughter doesn't have chestnuts. But truly, it uh, it, I thought it was just terrific. It's a great service. I have uh, been a customer for years and years, and there was the proof. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But with LifeLock, that's protection for your identity. You'll get 10% off your first year. Use the promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. And I love And uh, this is KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning with a legal show right till 11 o'clock. Oh, uh, coming up the 27th. I think it's a Saturday. Let me look at uh, my calendar here. It is. It's the 27th where uh, we have a, a change uh, in the morning. And that is um, I am going to take the show and reduce it by three hours. So I will be here from 8 to 11 o'clock. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. We'll be here from six to eight o'clock, starting Saturday morning. I've sort I'm sort of done with five hours uh, on a Saturday. I'm going to go back to three hours. Thank you. And so, 
Dean will be here from 6 to 8 o'clock with the uh, the house show, uh, Home with Dean Sharp. And uh, here is what he will tell you, which is great stuff. Uh, how to work around the house, how to get horribly hurt, and then how to call me and sue anybody and everybody. All right, so the show is going to still be very strong. So starting the 27th, 6 to 8, it'll be Dean. And uh, then I'm my 8 to 11, uh, that time stays the same. So I get to sleep a little bit longer in the morning, which is kind of neat. All right. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. John. Hello, John. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. John. See what John is doing? He's listening to the radio, and he'll pick up in just a second. And John, God, I wish I had you waiting an hour and a half, and then I did, and I did this to you. John, are you there? Uh, I guess not. All right, John, you're going to be call back and then I will keep you an hour and a half on the phone. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you know, and the screener tells you when you call in, turn off a ra- the radio if uh, you if it's on because we have a delay. We have a delay because we know what you're possibly going to say. So for those of you that want to prank or go FFFFFFF, uh, which I've had happen before, it all gets it all gets deleted. So uh, don't waste your time. All right. Bill, who's probably going to waste my time. Hello, Bill. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. We have a condo. It's a downstairs unit. The upstairs unit had a leak in a water pipe for their unit. It services just their unit. Their remediation folks cut a hole in our ceiling to find it. Yep. They fixed the leak. Um, You know, we asked upstairs the unit to fix the hole. And oh, sure. Of course. Problems might exist. They, of course, send us to their insurance company. The insurance company, surprise, surprise, doesn't want to pay. All right, that's easy. They say there's no negligence involved. Yeah, there isn't. Can you t- there isn't negligence, right. but so what? They're, yeah, they're exactly. still responsible. I mean, so the, the insurance company. Yeah, you sue, you, sue the, you, you sue upstairs. You sue the upstairs guy, and you tell him or her, hey, uh, no hard feelings, but this is the only way we're going to get the insurance company to pay you. So we now have to sue you in small claims court. And then what you do is you turn it over to the insurance company. And if they continue to say no, then your upstairs neighbor has a lawsuit against them for bad faith. They can't just say no when they're responsible. Right. So they'll end up paying. Yeah, they'll end up paying. Yeah, you just don't want to piss off the upstairs uh, neighbor and explain the situation because quite often – you have to do that to get the insurance company because you don't have a deal with the insurance company. There's no relationship with his insurance company. So it's through him uh, that it all has to happen. Brian. Hello, Brian. Yes. Yes. What can I do for you? Uh, need some advice here. My brother uh, owned uh, owns 40% in a, in a company that he pretty much has been running for the last 25 years. He uh, ended up uh, getting sepsis, put in the hospital. He was uh, incapacitated for three months. And during that time, they, uh, the other shareholders, and especially one of them who does not like my brother, got together and voted him out. All right. Um, and so my question, uh, there's a few of them. First of all, is it legal for them to vote him out without yes. him being there? Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is it, he's been trying, you know, he's, okay, fine, he's saying, all right, maybe I'll just sell my shares. Right. But 
in, in order to sell his shares, he needs to get uh, some of the financials to see, you know, what things have been worth and sure. so forth. And so he's he's asked for those financials, and they won't give them to him. Uh, that's easy. A lawyer will demand them, and uh, if uh, a lawyer does not get it, if your brother does not get it, then a lawsuit ensues right after that. He'll they'll get it. You'll, you'll, right, so you'll, has, you'll, oh yeah, he'll get the financials. I mean, don't worry about that. Right, he's entitled to them. Absolutely, correct. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, uh, and does he have a lawsuit? It, no, he, only for the financial records. They can toss him out. He's a minority shareholder, correct? He's forty percent. Okay. Well, that's not majority. That's for sure. Does he have a contract with the company? No. All right. Well, then uh, they have the right to toss him. And if he was running, okay. the, if he was running the company successfully, I don't know why they would toss him, because uh, it, it, people shareholders want a successful company. But I understand. if they, uh, if the majority of, uh, if the majority majority of the shareholders say we no longer want him there, gone. So he okay. really is has he in, what is he is entitled, he entitled to the minutes of the meeting? He's entitled to everything. Okay, so they, right. whatever he asked for, they they, they have should. to give it to him relative to his removal. I do believe that's the case. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know if that one's up in the air. Is he entitled to? You know, he may not even be entitled to the minutes. If they make a decision, I don't know if he's entitled to uh, find out why and what was going on. Uh, no, I don't think he is actually. All right, Mark. There you are, Mark. Welcome to Handle on the Law, Mark. You're up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. Um, probably two or three questions. But okay, my mom died a while ago, and um, she had she had some insurance. And um, my brother's the kind of guy he like tries to hide stuff from me. We're not too close. We live in different states. He's in Nebraska, and she died in Nebraska. I'm here in California, and I talk. I used to talk to her a lot on the phone, though, and she told me she had a will. And she made it out a certain way. She didn't want us to fight over stuff, and she had it how she wanted everything—the funeral and that's what everything. she. That's what she told you. Yes. Okay. And she and she divided stuff up a certain way because she didn't want us to fight over. That's stuff. what she told you. Yes. Okay. And my she probably told my brother the same thing, and um, and then um, she got sick, worse, and then. Um, I talked to her a little bit and then, uh, she was gone. And then, um, my brother told me about that one insurance policy and then, and he, I don't know if he made a mistake or he lied about the amount, but we had to split the amount. And okay. You're both beneficiaries, correct? Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. that, that becomes easy uh, to find out which and what. Okay. And then, but because he, well, the way she had it set up, so even if he lied about it, it was just still going to be split up um, like that, 50-50. And that's what she told you? Yeah. So and, far, and, everything is based on what she told you? Yeah. And okay. I got, well, I got, well, I got 50%, like she said. All right. And then he, then he found another policy, or that's what he said. And then he said, well, it's only going to be a few hundred dollars. And then I, I, I ended up getting a letter from the insurance company. It was it was like more than a few hundred dollars. Okay, but the beneficiaries were both of you, correct? Yes. Okay, and that's what the policy said. So it's whatever yes. was on the policy, you get half of. It's that simple. And, it's, and your brother can't do anything about it. Okay. And then, well, that, and then the, 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 the bad part is, though, um, 
like her personal things, some of the things I I don't care how much they're worth, but I just wanted some of the yeah things. you got to yeah you got to and he cleaned them out right yeah yeah and, you got it's a problem that that becomes a lawsuit and then you have to and, value what he took and what was there and, and it's it's a mess he won't he won't let me see the yeah will I know but you have well if there's a will there's a lawyer who wrote that will it's how a, do I find the lawyer it's and, a pub well first of all it's a public document where she died is where the will is probably probated. And so you just pulled the record of the will. It's a public document. I mean, how? The, what do you mean, how? Like, like, do I, I, where, where Google, do I Google, uh, law, uh, will, her name, okay. uh, the county, and uh, they'll tell you how to go. It's a little bit of research. If there's a will, uh, there's a way. Huh, that's very funny. If there's a will, uh, you can find out what's in the will, and the lawyer's name will probably be on the will. Uh, and, uh, well, maybe not, but uh, it's there's ways of finding out if there's a will, okay, and then well, and then you find out who you find out who the executor of the will is, and uh-huh. then you go right after the executor. If the executor didn't follow the will, then you have a lawsuit against the executor for all the money you've been screwed out well, of, and uh, the the executor has a fiduciary duty. So that is a very high duty of care. Well, that's what he is. He's the executor. I think he's uh, the executor of the will. I think then you well, have to then you have to hire a lawyer and uh, have at least a lawyer letter sent to him. At least okay. a lawyer letter sent to him. It's uh, yeah. God, don't you love it? And everybody should have copies of the will. By the way, not necessarily the beneficiaries, but lawyers and uh, no. Uh, uh, when we uh, our trust for our family, I've got I've got copies of it all over the place. We have a copy. The lawyer has a copy. The trustee has a copy. Uh, just in case anybody tries uh, doing something funny. This is Handle on the Law. And good morning. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Welcome back. Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Gary. Hi, Gary. You're up. Welcome. Hi. My grandparents were communists back in the 1950s. Uh, what channels would I go through to find out if the FBI had a file on them or anything? Uh, first of all, I, I've been doing this show for a very, very long time. I almost never get original questions. Uh, Gary? Terrific. You got me one, all right? You brought yeah. uh, this sometimes. Uh, this is when I smile when I do the show, when I get questions that I've never heard before. All right, uh, one quick question. Were they open communists? Uh, did everybody sort of know they were communists? The other communists knew this was the 1950s. You couldn't walk down the street with yeah. a Che Guevara T-shirt on yeah. back in the 1950s. Right, and the only reason I ask, if they were secret and nobody knew, uh, then they s- s- sort of slipped under the radar maybe but you have a good point in the 1950s uh if you were a communist uh, you were on the radar and i will tell you there is a file on them and both of us know there probably is you may want to try a freedom of information act to How pull, do I do that to pull the fbi file i don't know uh, i've never done one of those i've had a bunch of reporters here in the station do that uh, all you have to do is uh, Google freedom, uh, freedom of information, and it'll lay out uh, all of the steps. It's procedural. Oh, okay. it's, it's A, B, C, D. You answer the you answer the questions. You make a filing, and I don't even know which organization you file to. Maybe it's directly to the FBI, and you should get uh, the file. I don't think they're going to be able to uh, argue national security with a file from the fifties uh, that your grandparents were communists. I just wonder if it's maybe affected me down all these years. No, maybe God, could... no. no. No, no. Nobody cares. No, absolutely not. No one cares. Your grandparents were communists. 
There's no chance. Well, maybe, in fact, this is maybe, just maybe we were blackballed all these years. Maybe the not you. Under surveillance. Not you. I'd like to find that out. And believe me, uh, if, if that if you're asking you were, whether you were blackballed because your grandparents were uh, were communists, I can tell you right now, you don't need it. You don't need that file. It, there's no chance that you were blackballed. And what does that mean, incidentally, blackballed? Uh, have you lost a job? Were you not able to get one? Well, you never know. Who knows what, what circumstances affect one's life down through the course of one's life. Okay, now we're getting dumb. You start with a great question, and we go right into dumb. All right. No, no, that, I, don't need, I don't have to worry about that part. No, you don't. But the point is, you weren't blackballed. It stopped with your parents. But it's a damn good question. I love that. It's, and, it, and it's all about that file. Nothing more, nothing less. It's kind of fun to see a file, especially if your grandparents were followed communists. What are they going to do? Communists. I used to have a neighbor uh, of ours uh, when I think I was in uh, high school, and they came from Russia. Now, this is in the 60s. And I asked, would you, uh, would you please appear in front of my class? Would you speak to my class? Because uh, people that had come from Russia, it was very difficult for people to get away from Russia. That's when the borders were shut down. And she said yes, and then came back and said, you know, I can't do it, Bill. Uh, there's, it's impossible uh, because I have a file with the FBI. And this was in the 60s. And uh, she said, uh, and the FBI comes to me regularly. And, I mean, they're very open about it. They're very polite. They knock on the door, but they're fine. They just follow me because I'm from Russia. And she escaped. She and her husband escaped from Russia. Right. The Berlin Wall had been put up. And so that was different time, different place. Matter of fact, uh, you know, we communists do just fine in this country. Just ask Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. They even run for president. All right. Now, uh, let's say I opened the show uh, and I shared my driver's license number with you and my financial information and I gave you my Social Security number and, of course, that's completely nuts, right? Well, when you connect to public Wi-Fi, even if it is password protected and you give out any of that information, that's what you're doing. As a matter of fact, uh, scammers, hackers can get in and get your information even if you don't send it out, which is why I'm suggesting you get hold of Norton Secure VPN. It's a very easy-to-use virtual private network that encrypts all of your connections, even on public Wi-Fi. So now... That information you send and receive is safe from cyber criminals who want to steal it or companies that want to track your browsing activities, uh, uh, app usage, location. You'd be unbe- it's unbelievable what they can do with your information. So Norton Secure VPN uh, is the company that blocks companies from tracking you online. And let me, put, let me give you a, a quick word of warning. Not all VPNs offer a truly private network. Some track your online activity, app usage. Norton Secure VPN is private, private, and it's easy to use. You simply install it, log in once, and it runs seamlessly in the background. That's Norton Secure VPN. Get Norton Secure VPN ASAP and enjoy the convenience of the connected world without worries about online privacy security. Go to norton.com slash VPN Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law.
Good morning. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning right until 11 o'clock. Hey, some changes coming up on the 27th of April. I will not be broadcasting from 6 to 8 anymore. Five hours is kind of crazy. So starting on the 27th, it will be Dean Sharp. Home with Dean Sharp from 6 to 8 o'clock. He'll still be on tomorrow morning from 9 to 11. He's just adding 6 to 8 a.m. here on KFI just prior to the show. So I still keep till 11 o'clock, but I start at 8. Three hours. Hey, yeah, baby. And uh, by the way, yeah, you got fired. Uh, God, I hope I got fired. I've been pushing for this for a long time. The idea of sleeping in is just a joy. So anyway, starting the 27th, it will be... Dean Sharp, 6 to 8 o'clock. However, you'll always still be able to call HandleOnTheLaw.com. As Dean tells you to use that power saw and uh, it does something horrible and starts on its own and cuts your arm off, HandleOnTheLaw.com still works. Always. All right. So much for that. Phone number 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Probably one of the most fascinating kidnapping cases uh, I may have ever, ever read. And this is in Texas. Of course, it's in Texas. Where else would it be? Texas or Florida. And they're very close in terms of crazy. So uh, here is uh, what happens. Uh, This uh, 38-year-old man, uh, Isaias Garcia is uh, in court charged with first-degree kidnapping, attempted first-degree larceny by extortion, unlawful restraint, third-degree assault, and threatening. So it's your typical charges relating relating to a kidnapping. So here is the story. Last April, uh, the victim who has been kidnapped uh, his aunt and his father comes to the front desk of a police uh, station to report the kidnapping. And police said that then they played the detective taking the report, the phone messages they received from the victim. Okay, fair enough. So the victim tells his aunt on that phone net message he's been kidnapped. And his abductor was demanding $800 in ransom or he would burn the young man. Already, when someone gets kidnapped and is asked uh, $800 ransom, uh, that's a little bit sketchy just to begin with. So uh, on the the tape, if you were, on the recording, he said, TD, I was wondering if you were going to send the money because I really want to go home. And the police said, and he kept on pleading with his aunt in subsequent phone calls, please send the money. So uh, the detectives managed to trace the cell phone number. To a residence inn. And uh, they determined that in addition to being used to call the aunt for the ransom, that same phone number would be used to call a takeout order in a local Chinese restaurant. Mugu Gai Pan in an order of Mushu pork. I don't know about that. That's what I would have ordered. And uh, employees of the restaurant said, yeah, we made a delivery to the room. And here's the room, num- uh, room number. So the officers get ready to raid the hotel. Uh, the aunt... Uh, assures her nephew that they're working on getting ransom money. And then they demand the abductor's test a photograph of her nephew. Find out he was alive and in good shape. So 
here's where it gets fascinating. Here's the photo. There's the victim lying face down in a bathtub and a three-foot-long alligator on top of the victim with uh, the gator's mouth open facing the camera. TD on one of the recordings. They got this alligator on me and saying that if no money is sent, they're going to have him chewing on me. He was kidnapped at the point of alligator. How is that for a story? So police go to the hotel room. They raid it. There's the victim and his captor gone and said the uh, kidnapper's girlfriend and let's not forget the gator. Detectives interviewed the girlfriend, did not interview the gator. She said that uh, the kidnapper arrived at the hotel room with the victim, ordered the victim to lie down on the sofa, and then just sat there staring at him until the victim fell asleep. And with all the information, they were able to uh, pick up uh, the kidnapper. How's that for a story, boys and girls? All right. Let's go ahead and take some uh, phone calls. Okay. Oh, John is back. Let me see, John, if you're uh, still going to be listening to the phone while we talk or the radio. <laughs> Sorry about that. I have to do something. How are you? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Okay. So, uh, really quick, since I already wasted your time, uh, I'll try and be as brief as possible. I... Uh, well, uh, I got rear-ended by a drunk driver, uh, ended up uh, filing a claim. Uh, with who? Who did you file the claim with? Uh, with the insurance company. Uh, they with, your, with your insurance company or his insurance company? Uh, I think they went with his. All right, so uh, you filed, wait, wait, so you didn't file the claim. Uh, you simply sent, uh, he gave you the information about his insurance company, Correct. Uh, I actually retained uh, an attorney. All right. A personal injury All right. Attorney. So the PI attorney got all the information and filed a claim yes. or demanded yes, some money. Okay. Yes, sir. And then, um, so we, um, I, I was a little strapped for cash at the time. And the guy said, okay, I'm, I'm going to cut you a check uh, to the tune of 6500 bucks, And he's like, and that's it. You and I, we can part ways. But I got a strange feeling that he might have kept some more because I, I never saw, like, a letter. Like Okay, wait a minute, letter. wait a minute. Who said that we'll part our ways and then that's it? Was that your attorney? Yes. Okay, and you never saw a letter from him? I never saw All right. like, the final letter. Okay. Is there a final letter? Yeah, there's a, there's a final him? settlement letter, and you call your attorney and go, I want to see the final settlement. I want to see the documentation. Because uh, he will have uh, money deposited in his trust account. It will show how much money he took off. And it'll probably be 30, 35%. So you would have gotten, what, 4000 close to $4,000. Mm-hmm. How much did you get? 6500 No, how much did you get in your pocket? 6500 Ah, okay. You don't know what the settlement was for? No. All right, you, you have to. to okay. Well, if you don't want to show, if he doesn't want to show you, you tell him you show me or I'm taking you to the state bar. Okay. 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 That'll do it. Okay, Put it in a letter. Yeah. Lawyers. If a lawyer is not willing to show the file and is not willing to show you everything in the file, there is something going on because that is your file. And uh, that is your uh, that belongs to you. And so it's 
And it's incumbent upon the attorney uh, say, here is the total amount that we settled for, with your permission, by the way. You have to sign off. And here is the money that I took out. Here are the expenses that I took out. Maybe it's a witness. Maybe it's copying fees. Maybe it's an investigator uh, because your retainer says uh, all expenses will be deducted from the settlement. And uh, there's your information. If the lawyer's not willing to do that, something's up. Something's up. This is Handle on the Law. We just want to get Back we go. More Handle on the Law. Morris. Hi, Morris. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, I have a big legal problem with the state of California. Mm-hmm. I run a small mobile maintenance certification business. And it worked, um, I go. I have a route which I go over and I service uh, portable fire extinguishers. And the problem is I had, I've, this has been going on for several years, I have a licensing issue with the state. And... What happened two days ago is they went without an inspection warrant. The deputies went on private property. They humiliated me. They talked to... Uh, Hold on. Wait, wait. I, I'm a little confused. They went on private property without a... I didn't quite get that. Go through that again. They went on private property without an inspection warrant. Okay. In order... I, I, that's the part I don't understand. In order for them to do an inspection of fire, of extinguisher, they need a warrant in their hand? No, that wasn't it. I called out one of the deputies because the large manufacturer of portable fire extinguishers in the U.S. from brand new manufacturer, they failed to work. They failed to discharge upon service. Okay, got it. And so uh, who was called in? Oh, I called one of the deputies. Okay, and, uh, one of the deputies of what? From the state fire marshal. Oh, the state fire marshal. All right. So they come out, and now what? They come out, and uh, uh, they apparently set up different time frames for me. They told me to come out there at 10 a.m. and meet them at 10 a.m. I got there a quarter to nine in the morning. And they were already inspecting the premises, inspecting the school buses inspecting the whole yard, and then the uh, one of the deputies involved came up and started yelling at me. Then they demanded an inspection of my vehicle, and then they went and talked to management. They wouldn't let me hear the conversation between management, and uh, they wrote me up for a code violation. It had nothing to do with the maintenance of uh, okay. fire extinguishers All right. on their property. It had to do with licensing issues. Okay. And uh, not even that. And uh, this has been going on for years. Wait a sec. Now, for years, deputies have shown up, and uh, they have come before you. And then when you show up, they yell at you. And that's been going on. That's been going on for years. No, this is the first time they yelled at me. Oh, okay. But what has been going on for years? The licensing issue, and oh. it's a very foolish issue. All right. So I okay, I got it. I, okay. So what's your question? I had a, with them over. All right. And uh, uh, about four years ago, uh, they issued me a suspension notice on my license. And it turned out they were wrong. I did retain an attorney uh, from Encino. I did retain an attorney because they were incorrect 
five days later, they reissued the license. All right. So what, what's your and question? Assuming they've given you grief for a few years, what what is your question? Okay. Now I don't know what's going to happen with the company involved. I would imagine I will have lost the account. Oh, because of what happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. So you want to know, well, you, first of all, you haven't lost the account yet. So uh, no. at this point. So uh, what what is your question? All right. What uh, what legal issues? Yeah. Well, OK, you've got. Uh, well, first of all, are you a minority? No. OK, so that doesn't help. Uh, I was going to say, are you, uh, you know, ethnic or maybe you're a lesbian or maybe you're handicapped or maybe but none of that. OK, uh, I wish you were. Uh, because uh, that makes life a lot easier. Uh, here's the problem is you're going against a state authority. You're going against a an administrative agency, which is very, very difficult to deal with. Uh, there, geez, this is a tough one. You know, if what I would do, okay, and this is outside, this is extra legal, outside of the legal system, is just go to the head of uh, the division and say, hey, guy, what can I do to make this right? What can I do to get your guys, and not in a, in a negative way either, not in a confrontational manner, uh, in a manner that says, hey, you know, obviously something's going on with me. What can I do to make it right? Because the other side of it is putting in a claim, having to hire an attorney, going against an agency of which has broad powers – uh, you, uh, your eight, your uh, uh, license was reinstated, arguing that you lost the license because of what they did, and therefore you're damaged. I mean, that is a horrific lawsuit. That is really difficult to do. I mean, you're basically stuck between a rock and a, and a hard place on this one, Morris. That's the problem. I mean, you're right, probably. Someone doesn't like you. I mean, I had an issue with a building inspector on my house who simply didn't like me. Didn't like me. I don't know whether it was personal. I don't know whether he heard something on the show that he took offense to. But he went out of his way to make it so miserable for me. Uh, and what should have been cleared in a matter of a couple of days took months. And uh, was I going to go to court? No. No, I mean, it's just, it's not worth the hassle because they can come up with any BS reason in the world and all they have to do is be technically right on one small matter and Morris, you're screwed. So, uh, you know, are you going to get a lawyer? What are you going to do? You know? and, and spend thousands of dollars. No lawyer will do this on contingency either. And you can argue some kind of discrimination, but uh, those are really, really hard. All right. Let me tell you about the number of uh, data breaches in 2018. From 27, uh, uh, 2017 to 2018, 400% increase. 2018, 71% jump in dark web activity. 15 billion stolen identity records exchanging hands. 15 billion of them. This is why LifeLock makes all the sense in the world. What LifeLock does is detect a wide range of identity thefts, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. And if they detect your information being used, they'll send you an alert. For example, I just leased a car, and uh, they do a credit check. And the way they do a credit check is they press a button, they get your information, press a button, and it's all done electronically by the computer. And the second that the salesman pressed the button, I got an alert on LifeLock that someone was inquiring about my credit. That's how good they are. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction in every business, but LifeLock, 
can uncover the threats you might miss, you probably will miss on your own. Join now, get 10% off your first year. Use the promo code HANDLE, call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or visit lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE, lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. The Law, Marginal Legal Advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. All right, Greg. Hello, Greg. Yeah, hey, Handel. Good morning. How are you? I'm, uh, let's go for it. What can I do for you? <laughs> hey, my, my wife is an in-home interior designer. While she was on the job, she was at a homeowner's house. Uh, homeowner, she met the homeowner on her property outside the front door. Homeowner came out with the dog on a leash, a loose leash. Dog ended up biting her. It was a German Shepherd. Pretty okay. bad on the foot. We had to go to urgent care. Um, what I've been told is it's workers' cut. I've been told it's civil. Um, urgent care doctor is saying that she's not going to be okay for like six weeks. It's been three and a half, you know, maybe three weeks by now. And it's still pretty bad. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I should get some legal help. Yeah, you do because I'm, I don't I'm, think I don't think it's pushing. I don't think it's workers' comp. I think it's a third party claim because uh, it wasn't an employment relationship; it was an independent contractor relationship. So I think, and I don't know if I'm right on this, but I well, frankly, if I had to take well, my guess, I'm not right. But uh, I think it's a case against uh, against the dog owner for the dog bite, especially if there's if there's damages. Uh, absolutely. Even though she was sent by her employer. Oh, oh, she worked for an employer. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a workers' comp case. But it's still, okay. yeah, but it's still a third party. I think it's still a third party claim because someone yeah. else is at fault. So uh, I think there's a lawsuit there. I do. You want to go? Okay. And, and how did the uh, German Shepherd actually eat uh, part of her foot off? Which would be wonderful. <laughs> No, 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 it didn't. But it was they're pretty deep puncture wounds. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So she is. Uh, yeah. So was she, she went to urgent care. Was she off of work for any length of time? Um. Well, well, she works from technically no, but she works from home, which she takes she schedules her own appointment. So she opened her schedule up so she wouldn't have to walk around. All right, you want to talk to a PI attorney on this one? Uh, get hold of uh, one of the PI attorneys on handleonthelaw.com. Now, whether or not. Uh, an attorney will take the case. I don't know because there may not right. be enough money in it, and so inevitably, whenever there's good money, they figure out a way to get to, to get involved in a case. And if there's rotten money, it doesn't matter. If there's liability all over the place, where the dog owner goes, "Yep, yep, I'm at fault," records it. Bunch of witnesses. Did you hear that, everybody? I'm at fault. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, so right. go to the website and see if there's anything there. Okay, uh, try that. All right, John. Hi, John. Hello. Yes. Uh, I wanted to know, uh, I have a debt, uh, a credit card debt, and I want to know how long can they try to collect on that? Yeah, it's a good question. I've only been asked that, I don't know, 230,000 times. Yeah. All right. Have you listened to the show at all? Yeah. All right. How many, how, how many shows do you think you've listened to? If you had to add up well, all of the programs. I program- don't listen to 
the whole thing. No, I understand. No, I get it. Very few people do because no yeah. one, no one can take all the hours. I can't right, take right, all all right. the hours. But uh, let me just give me a, a, a just a wild guess. How many episodes of yeah. this show have you think over the years listened to? Oh, twenty. Twenty. Yeah, just twenty different times. Eh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll let you get away with it. Yeah. Four years. Okay, Bob. Hello, Bob. Yeah, Bill. My question is: Do I have the right to see my family's trust? Uh, do you think you're a beneficiary? I think so. Yes. All right. Now, uh, is the trust door dead yet? Well, my dad passed a couple of years ago. My mom's 91, and my evil sister is in charge of my mother's affairs. And uh, we're just, you know, strange for years. Yeah, so. I don't think at this point, until mom dies, no, you're not entitled to see the trust. Now, once mom dies, if you think you're a putative beneficiary, that means kind of, sort of, maybe, uh, potentially uh, a beneficiary, then you can absolutely demand and say, I want to see that trust. Uh, because. Okay, the reason I'm calling you is this, okay? I'm not about the money, but I, I do visit my mother. They live in a very nice area, places, manicured homes. My dad would have been rolling over in his grave, and he saw the home today. I went up there. It's totally unkept. The neighbors are calling them All right, so, okay, so you're, all right, so let me, let me do this. If that's the case, then I'm going to suggest you go in and ask for a conservatorship for your mom, where you take away your sister's ability to make all the decisions. Now, just keeping the home unkempt is not going to is not going to do it. If your mom is still safe and she's being reasonably well cared for, there's nothing that yeah, says yeah. you have to keep the yeah, house up. Okay, all right. Yeah, all if right. it's all the, all the executor ship, all it has to do with is her safety. Now, you can argue uh, that you, the trustee is diminishing the value of her estate. And, yeah, maybe you have a shot at that. So what I would do is simply ask the question. Well, first of all, uh, let's get to brass tacks. How much is uh, your 91-year-old mother worth? You know, I don't know. That's a great question. I just, like I said, I'm estranged from the family pretty much. Okay, so the house. So, okay, the house. What do you think the house is worth? Uh, It could have been worth around, I'd say, uh, 600K. All right, and and, and the house is falling apart. Not the house, but the yard. Oh, the, no, one the no, the no one cares. No one cares. No one cares about the yard. Nobody cares. Okay. You know, the yard, you're going to go no place with the yard. This is why God invented uh, gardeners. They're not that expensive, too. Here's a couple hundred dollars. Clean up uh, the, clean up my yard. All right. Daniel. Uh, do I have, yes, Daniel, there you are. Welcome to Handle on the Law, Daniel. Hey, Bill. Uh, I've been in a custody battle for a couple of years. About six months ago, my ex got a DUI with our daughter in the car. She's on probation for that. Okay. She's on probation for that. Uh, So yesterday, I'm driving home from work. I get home, and the police are at my house talking to my daughter and my wife that I'm with now. And come to find out that she filed, uh, she called and said that I was intoxicated and uh, it's one of the officers was actually uh, at the house yesterday was one of her arresting officers. So he remembered me and knew our situation. I volunteered to do a breathalyzer. It came back point zero zero. I'm wondering if there's any course of action I can yes, take. Yes, uh, yes, for- yes. Uh, put in a complaint uh, for her fall- uh, filing a false police report. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And okay. Uh, yeah, there's no question. You go down to the police department and you instantly uh, file that uh, that complaint. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. That's it. Yep. Uh, isn't that lovely? I love those X stories where people are just horrible with each other. In the meantime, you just had uh, the Bezoses or Bezoses uh, just divorce, right? Jeff Bezos and his wife, Mackenzie. And uh, they split up uh, basically $100 billion. And she got seven, she got 25%. He got 75%. It was an amicable divorce where I'm willing to bet they sat down with one attorney at the kitchen table and knocked it off, knocked it out. She gets 25% of the company. He gets 75% of their shares of the company. He keeps all of the voting control, including her 25%. He keeps the Washington Post and Blue Orion, the uh, spaceship company. And she's now only worth a meager $36 billion. That's an amicable divorce. Wow. All right. God, you know, it's... I tell these people people all the time, listen, uh, in the end, if you guys get into this pissing match where you're screaming at each other, in the end, you're going to get what you're going to get anyway. Why have the lawyers make all the money? I have a guy I went to law school with who built a very successful practice. His wife, they got divorced. She filed and went to the most expensive, brutal agency divorce group of uh, lawyers, the firm, uh, that almost exists in Los Angeles. They went through $4 million of attorney's fees, which he had to pay for because he was earning all the money and came out of the company. And they were at the end of it exactly at the same place they were at the beginning, minus $4 million in attorney's fees. And he told her, what are you doing? But it doesn't matter. She files, he responds. She files, he responds. She files a motion. I mean, it was just, it was really nuts. So uh, the advice is either you amicably divorce or you simply kill your spouse. And you do your two, three years, four years in jail because you set it up and uh, it's just so much easier. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here. It is a uh, Saturday. Handle on the law right up until the end of the 11 o'clock hour or until the end of the 10 o'clock hour. Phone number 800-5201-KFI. We have some lines open. And, of course, as we approach the top of the hour, best best time to call. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Luis. Hello, my man. Is that Luis or Luis? Luis. Luis. Uh, I got it right. I okay, divorced. Luis. Yeah. I divorced 20 years ago. Congratulations. Uh, agreed <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, agreed to pay alimony for 12 years. I sent the checks monthly. Uh, after two years, she moved without giving me the forwarding address. So I just stopped sending the checks. She never contacted me. I have reason to believe she's still alive. Can she claim the money after this date? Yeah, she can, except the argument is you were prepared to give it to her. Now, what I would have done is put the money aside in an account. Oh, actually, I did. Oh, I, then, okay. Then then you have the money account, and you keep the interest. And if there is an issue where she goes to court, uh, you hand her the money. Now, how long is uh, was the spousal support for? 12 years. 12 years. And you so paid for two. So it's 10. So you've got 10 years of support. How much was it annually or monthly? Two, 250 a month. Okay. So it's $3,000 uh, times 10 years, 30 grand. Do you have 30 grand available? 
yes. Okay, then you make sure you keep that aside. Uh, what I would do is even invest it in a, any kind of liquid account. So if and when she ever comes and comes back and says, I want my money, there it is. So you're t- so clearly the court is not going to hold you responsible because you're the one didn't know where to send the check. So you're clean on that one. And if she never comes back, there's your retirement. Yeah, is there a statute of limitations? And I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, so okay. you get to, I would go to handleonthelaw.com and just ask that question. You know, we have all these lawyers. You can email to any of, uh, any of them. So I uh, simply say you and I uh, talked on, uh, on the phone, on the air, and I didn't know the answer to this question. And, uh, the, and you want to ask the divorce attorneys, family law attorneys, and say, is there a statute? Just really quickly tell your case and said Bill said uh, that you could answer the question. Okay? okay, give that a try. Yeah, that's the easiest way to go. Put the money aside. Always make sure that you have the assets. Because then the, see, then the judge is going to nail you on that. And sometimes there's interests and there's penalties. Not in this case. If you say, I just couldn't find her. And here's the money. I mean, you're home clean. Hello, Kim. Yes, sir. Yes, Kim. Um, I'm an owner-operator. Do you know what that is? Yes, but an owner-operator of what? I own a semi, a and, truck. Oh, and you drive the semi? Yeah, and it's even worse, I own it. Wow. All right, so uh, quick question. Do you have a very tan left arm? Yes, sir. Uh, of course you do. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of a given. All right, let's just... And how old are you, incidentally, Kim? Um, I will be 65 in June. And you're still driving a semi. Good for you. Wow. Thank you. I, I'm still jumping in and out of it, too. I love it. I love it. Okay, so what's your question? Um, I carry what's called occupational health, and I jumped out of my trailer uh, early December, and I, my, I tweaked my knee. Within about four days, I couldn't walk. So I contacted my occupational health, which is only available to me, if I'm under dispatch and I'm hurt on the job. Well, they paid for me to get an MRI and to go to occupational health to, um, I'm sorry, to the orthopedist. And um, after three weeks, they made a ruling saying, I didn't hit anything. Nothing hit me. I'm just getting old. Whoa, 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 wait. Oh, wait, wait. Jump, maybe getting out of your cab. And uh, ju- jumping off and then hitting your knee wrongly or landing wrongly on the pavement is not considered an occupational hazard or an o- occupational injury because you physically didn't hit anything? Right. That's that, crazy. Well, jumped, that's crazy. Was, that's crazy, Kim. I was in my trailer. Yeah, that's crazy. I, that makes no sense. No, 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 no. They can't say. It. I'll tell you right now, they're full of crap. Uh, okay. Well, I know that. And so I've been calling attorneys, and they get totally excited. But then they find out it's occupational health. Yeah, because it becomes a it be, yeah, basically becomes a workers' comp. Uh, you have to appeal it's it. Not. You have well, no, they look at it as a workers' comp kind of case. Yes, it's not, but there's no money for them to be made. Uh, right. Yeah. All they can do is all you can do from the insurance company is get the money. Well, they paid me the, my benefits for the time I was down. All right, and now you're asking for some kind of permanent disability. You're asking no. Wait, there, no. Well, no. Who, who are you suing? I, what do you What do you want? I want to get back to where I was. You can, well, I want them to pay medical. 
Right, and you're entitled. And you're entitled to pay. They're entitled to get medical, so you have to appeal that decision. Uh, and they- well, I told them I don't agree. I agree. I-, I understand. You have to appeal. They there, they have an appe- they have an appeals process. They told me I need a lawyer. No, you and don't. I- you yeah. need to appeal the decision. You want to go up the food chain. So you start with appealing their decision with the insurance company. You appeal that decision. All right, they're and a third party to the original. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They'll have they'll have an appeal, and then if you have to, you do sue them, and that's when you get a lawyer. But first, you see if there's an appeals process. First thing you do is I want to appeal it. Who do I talk to? Let me go up the food chain. If they say this is it, then you get a lawyer, and it's going to be hard getting a lawyer because all you're going to do is be able to get your money to pay for your medical. Where does a lawyer make money? Well, I need to be down. Well, see, that's just it. I didn't want to get a lawyer. I understand. All right, we're going to go round and round in circles, and we're out of time. But the first thing is appeals. Then you have to – it's tough finding a lawyer. And uh, then then you may just end up suing if it's less than $10,000. Sue yourself. All right, this is Handle on the Law. here two more hours on a uh, saturday afternoon hey starting on the 27th of this month uh, we're talking about is that two weeks out yeah i think so give or take yeah it's two weeks out or three weeks out because i can't count uh the this show is going to be heard from 8 to 11 not from 6 to 11 because dean sharp uh, at home with uh, dean sharp is going to be right here from six to eight o'clock in the morning and uh, no i didn't get fired it was, uh, I just, it was five hours, and I just couldn't take it anymore. So uh, he's going to be on from 6 to 8 o'clock. And I know every time, and by the way, this is legit, I know every time someone leaves the station or leaves a position like this, it's by mutual consent, which is crap, by the way. Mutual consent means someone's been fired, all right? And uh, we wish you well in your future endeavors. That means we think you're no talented, we're getting rid of you, you're gone. This one happens to be legitimate. They still think I do a good show, and uh, it was uh, they just want to give a dean uh, another uh, another show. Because if you look at all the other, uh, many of the talk show hosts have two days. Mo Kelly has two days. I think uh, Brian Suits has two days. Uh, Wendy still has one day. And uh, so, anyway, just a, a little inside baseball for you. Uh, it'll be Dean Sharp, 6 to 8 o'clock. A.M. So they'll still have Sundays, nine to eleven. It'll be six to eight on Saturday, starting on the twenty seventh of uh, this month. Uh, but you can still go to handleonthelaw.com. <laughs> Keep in mind that when he tells you to use a power saw and you take your leg off and you want to sue somebody, you go to handleonthelaw.com for an attorney. All right, uh, and phone numbers incidentally eight hundred five two zero one five three four. We always have lines open. A couple of them open at the top of the hour. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Now, uh, whenever I tell you a story uh, about just a normal crime or a normal lawsuit, I try to find a different spin to it to make it interesting. 
Uh, because frankly, I'm bored with your normal, okay, the guy held up a store. Thank you very much. The guy filed a lawsuit for a million dollars. Okay, uh, yeah, big deal. Uh, but when you look at the underlying story, sometimes it gets to be really good. And that's what happened in Baltimore. Two men are arrested in a robbery of a convenience store uh, near Baltimore. Okay? And so, okay, big deal. They arrest a couple of guys and they've held up a store. And it's right there all on video because people are nuts today to rob any kind of a retail uh, retail outlet because it's all on video. And incidentally, that's why bank robbers have always been caught you never find bank robbers who have not been caught. Maybe if they rob one bank and disappear. Why? Because there's video, video, video. And security, security. Now every little 7-Eleven has insane amounts of video. So you're going to get caught. So how do you sort of get away with it? Well, you wear a costume. You wear glasses. You wear a baseball cap. Maybe you wear a mask. Sometimes you wear a full-body pink and white unicorn costume. Uh huh. That's what makes this story so great. Uh, so you have a man, uh, Joseph uh, William Rogue. There's two guys. William Rogue uh, or Roge uh, donned a full body pink and white unicorn costume and wielded a crowbar. It's a unicorn with a cor- uh, crowbar. Most unicorns unicorns are nice, friendly creatures. They love you. You love them. You give the hug. Not when they have a crowbar. So the video, of course. Uh, he's smashing the register at 5 in the morning, and uh, he's wearing his costume. God, you, I hate unicorns that do that. There's nothing, nothing more troubling than a unicorn with a crowbar. So he leaves uh, with cash and cigarettes, and uh, then he's driving off at a huge speed, crosses oncoming traffic, hits a power pole, uh, spins around, drives back across the road, and he hits a tree. And he and his buddy are taken to the area hospitals. Now, the unicorn costume, what happened to that? He left it on just outside the store. He took it off. And they snapped the picture. Of course, they're bringing in evidence. And if anybody wants a unicorn outfit, uh, as soon as this trial is over and they take it out of evidence, there you go. All right. uh, Let's take some uh, phone calls. David. Hello, David. Hi, Home Depot doesn't want to cash out a ten dollar gift cards under ten dollars. They're waiving the California law. All right, can I can I sue them? And sure, get sure. Of course, you can sue them for your ten bucks. So now you're going to okay. spend you're going to spend two hundred dollars suing them. You know, will I get those two hundred bucks? Yes, you should get them back. Uh, and uh, so uh, it's ten, you get ten, it's worth ten dollars. How long, just e- even though I know you're pissed, and they probably should. And have you gone up to management, by the way? Have you gone up the food chain at Home Depot? Oh, yeah. It says right on the back of the card, where required by law. And they don't seem to understand that at yeah, all. Yeah, and I don't, just, I don't know. Is, yeah, and I don't know if the law says uh, that any amount of money has to be uh, be honored at any gift card. No, it's, it's, it's the California okay. law is really clear. Okay, then you sue them. Under 10. Yeah, then you sue them. And they'll probably give you a $10 bill at some point. Now, here is okay. now here's the problem you have. All right? What if they you, you file the lawsuit and you have them served, now you're out a couple hundred dollars, and they give you the $10? <laughs> and then now you walk into court and they say, we gave him back his $10. That's an excellent point. Yeah, and if you want to take a chance on that one just to show these bastards... 
Now, the court may say we don't care because those your damages are $10, uh, and that's it. So uh, anyway, that's a chance you take. You, you, you basically just suck it up for 10 bucks. I know it's, it's a drag, and I know it's stupid, and I know, but, you know. You, only Home Depot that does it. Okay, well, how about this? You've just given Home Depot a the worst Yelp uh, the worst Yelp review on the face of the planet because you know how many people have just heard this? Is That's that because you're the best. Oh, thank you very much. Is that worth it? Yeah, okay. Now you got your $10 worth. By the way, I don't know if any of that is true, just to let you know. And I'm going to right now disclaim it. That's his statement that they won't waive it. I do not know if it's true, but it's a good story. So there you are. All right. Is that enough of a disclaimer? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. All right, uh, how are we doing for time? We're good. All right, Tony. Hello, Tony. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Department of Water and Power has pulled out a bill on me that is approximately 16 years old. They're referring to it as a banner account, which they have explained to me that is an account when you damage some kind of property. All right there, so on and so forth. They've turned off my water. Oh, how much you need to turn back your water? How much money do they want? <clears throat> they want uh, $10,000. Whoa! Don't show up without without a cashier's check. Wow! Okay, that's a problem. You, If it was a few hundred bucks, I'd say pay it, and then let's go to work right. and get it back. Uh, and then, then you go through the process, but you need your water. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, I can't imagine uh, that they wouldn't even give you uh, a payment plan that you can afford over the next certain number of even years while you then go through the process of uh, you go through the process of trying to get uh, that dismissed. You're going through the entire appeals process because you're worth you. You have a lot of appeals available when you're dealing with a Department of Water and Power. It's a municipal agency. Okay. But who's ever telling you you need $10,000 cashier's check walking in the door? Have you gone up the food chain? I've been saying that a lot lately. Have you, How far up have you gone? I've tried. I'm working now with the secure, uh, Securities and Revenues Department, which is... Okay. Uh, yeah. No, you're doing everything you can. What I would do is find out what the regulatory agency... It could be the PUC... Uh, and that is uh, the Public Utilities Commission, which controls all of the utilities uh, in uh, California. And you're going to need – I would go to your local council person and say, I need some help. I'm being screwed. How old are you, by the way, Tony? Sixty. Sixty? Okay. Uh, you have to lie about your age. Cause you, you, you sound like you're 80. And so if you can look like you're 80 – uh, that's really that would be very good. The older and more decrepit you are, the better off you are when in situations like this. Uh, and and just say also just say you're broke. You know, bring, bring uh, here's one. You bring in a can of cat food and you open it up and say, "This is lunch. This is all I can afford." Anything to make yourself look poor, miserable, and you want to go to your council person. That's where I would go to get it started. I've already gone to my council. And they're and what are they doing? Doing nothing for you. They're the one. They're doing nothing for me. Wow! That, geez, they turned me over to the, the Department of Water and Power, and they, okay. Then you, what do you mean that the Department of Water and Power are the ones that said no, and now there's the council saying go back to the Water and Power people. And then that's when the woman told me come in with ten thousand. All right. I then I then I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go other than filing with the PUC uh, because that just sounds that's just the weirdest story I've ever heard. A nineteen year old bill 
uh, and you need $10,000 and a cashier's check walking in the door. It's just, man, uh, somebody hates you out there, that's for sure. This is Handle on the Law. And welcome back. Handle here on uh, The Legal Show. Handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Hey, Daryl. Hey, Bill. Uh, I got a story. I'm going to try to condense it down, right? Uh, But I always run into a situation when I ask myself, what would Bill do? Oh, good. I'm asking you. (laughs) Now, I bought a, I have a condo. I've been in there three years. It's a flat roof condo. It's a two-story. It's over in El Segundo. It's on, it's at the end of the cul-de-sac, which places it on a high hill. You can see over El Segundo, the, the way it's situated. It's three buildings, okay? It's the west building, east building, and the center building. Now, the front is, uh, at uh, Imperial Avenue, that's the highest point of all the buildings. They slope down the hill. The slope's at maybe 10 or 12% down the hill. I want to put on a rooftop deck because we have flat roofs, right? Um, and the city of El Segundo, it took them two months. I've had, I drew the plans. I got them into the city. It took them two months to say, no, we're not going to let you do it because you over the 26 okay. foot benchmark Got it. for height. Yeah. Right. Now, I won't encroach that. I, I understand. No, I understand. You're it's to, so. All right. So to build that deck doesn't get in the way of anybody, doesn't obscure Correct. any roofs. And uh, they're still saying no. And you want to know what you can do about it. Do First of all, uh, do they have the right to do that? It's probably your first question, right? Yes. Of course they do. Of course they do, because they have a height restriction, and there it is, 26 feet. Thank you. Which doesn't mean 26 feet 2 inches. It means 26 feet. Uh, so what's your next question? That, but I'm the, by the building dropping as it goes towards the back, away from the 26-foot benchmark that's at the front, I'm not going to encroach that. 26. Okay, so you you now have a technical issue as to the 26 feet from where, and uh, is from it from the surface? No, the I understand. Top. And and does the and does the code say from the surface uh, or from the foundation? You can't go up 26 feet, and I don't know the answer to that. But what you should do, and what I would do, is go in there and file for a waiver, and because they have the right to waive it, and your argument is going to be. Here are the reasons I want a waiver because of the encroachment issue, because it's uh, under 26 feet if we do this or whichever way you define it. And it could and it could be you're even and it could be you're even wrong on that, uh, that the law points out from the foundation, for example, and you don't win on that one. But what you're asking for is you're asking for a waiver and it doesn't interfere with anybody's view. It is totally benign. And that's the argument you make. And then if you have uh, the building and safety saying no, 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 and it goes up, then you go to the city council and you ask your council person and you make the argument saying, hey, I'm a constituent and hey, this doesn't bother anybody. Do you mind making a phone call? You do not threaten anybody. What you Because if they're technically right, uh, Daryl, then you're screwed and they want to uphold it. But there is a process of waiver. And that's okay. where you want to okay. go. So you want to beg, uh, you want to whimper, 
uh, you want to uh, just uh, whatever, uh, just uh, say, uh, you know, my poor dog just died and bring in a dead dog and show them right. uh, and just do anything to make them feel sorry for you. Uh, but there, there is the process. They can waive that. And they do it all the time. Yeah. So that's the process. All right. Now, uh, so let's say I started the show. And I started with uh, giving you my driver's license number, financial information, my social. Uh, sounds a little bit nuts. Well, when you're connecting with public Wi-Fi, and even if we're, if it's password protected, the hackers can get in. And they know what they're doing, and there's your information. And they expose uh, that private information, and then cyber criminals can go crazy. Which is why I'm suggesting you look at Norton Secure VPN. It's a virtual private network that encrypts your connections, even on public Wi-Fi. So the information you send and receive is safe from cyber criminals who want to steal it. And, oh, even companies. Companies, great. Even when companies are not stealing it, they're using it and selling it off to people. You can use Norton Secure VPN with either your laptop or any mobile device. And whether you're sending, receiving information, it encrypts all of it. And now you have safety. Norton Secure VPN blocks companies from tracking you online, blocks those horrible ads that follow you around the Internet. It's a truly private, uh, private network. And this is why I'm going to suggest, and which is why I use Norton Secure VPN. So Norton Secure VPN uh, you get it by going to Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. Uh, protection starts at three thirty three a month. Terms apply. Norton.com slash VPN. This is Handle on the Law. And back we are on a Saturday. Handle here with the legal show. Uh, some uh, lines are open. 800-520-1534. That's 800-520-1534. All right. Back we go. More phone calls. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. All right, Richard. Hello, Richard. Yeah, hi. Um, I want to set up a trust involving the um, equity in my house. And my question is, do I need to change the title for my name? The name of the trust, yep. like through a title company? Yeah, well, not through a title company. You can just do it on your own. It's a simply a transfer of uh, ownership. And uh, that's a simple document. You can get that on the Internet. So you probably quit claim. Uh, oh, yeah, quit claim. Yeah, yeah, you can do it yourself. You don't need a uh, – you certainly don't need yeah. a lawyer for that or an escrow company. By the way, it's not then, just the – you're not just transferring the equity in your home. You're transferring title to your home. So you're not going to own it anymore. The trust owns it. But if it's a revocable well, trust, you can turn around yeah. and give it back to you yourself. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll do revocable. But since there's a mortgage on it, I'd have to let the bank know. Oh yeah, you, you, yes, absolutely. Uh, because what you're doing is transferring title. But they're not. That doesn't change. You'll still have the same payments. You're still responsible. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it has more to do with uh, the transfer yeah. of the property when you're dead. That's all. You're fine. Yeah, that's pretty easy. You know, yeah. that woman is not crazy. There's millions of people following me, too. Oh, fan- fantastic. Of course, of course there are. Millions of people following all of us. Very, very strong. All right. Uh, Tanny. Hello, Tanny. Hi, Bill. Yes. I have a, a, a very important question. Of course you do. Tanny, T-A-N-N-I-E. Yes. I called you before, and you're always so helpful. 
I bought a house three and a half years ago, and I guess because we didn't put 20% down, we put 20000 down, but we didn't put 20% down. We had to pay $400 a month for the mortgage for a PMI. Yes. Now, I understand after a, a year, it could have been taken off. I've never, ever, ever been late for payments, and I can't find anybody to take it off. Because the interest is so high. Can Uh, we make the mortgage company take it off? Yes. Well, you ask the mortgage company to take it off because it's the mortgage company that, uh, in fact, uh, is putting it on. So here's what they've said is that, and this is always the case, if you don't put 20% down, this is typically, then we're going to guarantee that the mortgage is paid. And we do that through mortgage insurance, which is sold by a separate Uh property or a separate uh, company. And that guarantees them that their mortgage is going to pay because you don't have enough skin in the game. And if they have for, if they have to foreclose on the property, there isn't enough equity for them to get all their money back. So uh-huh. they protect themselves with that. So usually to get rid of uh, four hundred dollars a month, can yeah. you believe that? Yeah, oh yeah, it's expensive stuff. Oh yes, yeah. it is really expensive. So uh, a couple of ways around it. Number one is uh, you get it up to twenty percent. And you can get it up to 20% equity in two different ways. Pay into it and write a good-sized check. Or the value of the property increases so the uh, the actual equity is 80% of the property. In other words, if, yeah. you hit, if you hit that 80%, one of two ways or a combination of both, then you're uh-huh. entitled to get rid of the PMI. Your mortgage uh, relationship or your mortgage document will say that. Also, there may be within the document saying we after the first year, uh, if we make all the payments, uh, then the PMI goes off. I've never heard of that happening, incidentally. No, no. So it's going to be it's going to be the the, you're going to have to make uh, you're going to have to go up to 20 percent equity that you have in the home. And there's no way around it. It has it. It has it now. Then you're not going to get then you're not going to get it until it happens. No, it, no, it's already gone up 20%. No, no, is it gone up to 20%? In other words, do you have do you have 20% equity in that house at this point? Yes. Okay, then you go to the mortgage company and you say I want the PMI uh, PMI off because I am now at uh 20% equity. Okay. All right? All right. Yeah, all right. There you you should do that. All right. How do you do that? Well, uh, you get c- comps and you say, here I am, I've hit 20%, and therefore I am entitled to get the PMI off. And that is a big, big deal, to say the least, because that's $400 a month. And that's that's just for mortgage insurance. I mean, five grand a year is just so if they foreclose, they get their enough money to pay the difference between what they have loaned you and what the property is going to get. That buys a lot of insurance. $5,000 a year just for that. All right, Stephen. Stephen, you're up. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Hi, Bill. I'm in Los Angeles. I lived in a rent control building for about 20 years. A cousin of the landlord moved in about um, three years ago. About six um, months ago, his behavior changed. He was blaring his um, cereal about for like the first um, three months of the end of last year. About two months ago, he, um, through some research on my end, I I heard um, him pulling wires through the walls, and some light construction has put in a a marijuana farm in his bedroom. Based on the sound of that, I'm not able to sleep in my bedroom because it's too loud, so I've been sleeping on my couch or a blow-up sofa in the living room. 
and that started to hurt my back and my hip. Um, I went to the doctor that said, you know, you actually need to start sleeping in your bedroom. I'm also possibly going to have um, stage one cancer um, treatment this month. All right, so you have so you have stage one cancer. No, possibly. Possibly no, you have stage one yeah. cancer. I don't know what the hell that means legally. I mean, possibly. Well, I'm waiting for it. No, okay, no, no, no. That, but that, the, see, that is, but that has nothing to do with it. Uh, you, Correct. Yeah, you have some legal issues here that are okay. legitimate. Possible cancer okay. is not. You know, I mean, my mother. Yeah, it, it, so it's not. You can't do woulda, shoulda, coulda. Uh, so now we're talking about the marijuana farm. Remember, he's entitled up to, I think, six marijuana plants, personal use. Uh, and the noise factor, that's something else. And you can, and this is an apartment you're in or a condo that you own? What again is it? Yeah, it's an apartment. Okay. So, I actually am. I okay, so you go, so you sent a letter already to the, you've sent a letter already to the, uh, to the owner of the apartment, right? Correct. And they're doing correct. nothing about it, correct? Correct. All right, then you get, what you get to do is to complain and maybe even file a restraining order against the guy downstairs for making too much noise. Okay. I mean, that's when that happens. I got to tell you, once you've reached that point, it's a god awful mess. It is now you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, then you're dealing. Yeah, you're you're talking about lawyers back and forth. Jeez, it's a mess. It really is. Yeah. Also, the smell is is is. I'm not, no. Well, that is another thing. The smell gets in the way, and yeah. you can argue that. And if, but the landlord doesn't want to do anything about it. Uh, you, know, you you go to the landlord. Go, Why, what are you going to do? You're going to rent the apartment, and the same thing is going to happen again with your next tenant. Do you want a? Do you want an apartment that's unrentable? And if the landlord says, "I'm fine with an apartment that's unrentable," uh, you you've got an issue on your hands. As in, you can't do much about it. I mean, it's it just does happen. I mean, I had an issue, and it wasn't a homeowner association, but uh, I had a house. It was a duplex, and it was in a perchance a very orthodox religious neighborhood, which became orthodox religious after we moved in. And if you know anything about uh, orthodox Jews, other than they're crazy, is on Friday night, they uh, they sing and do uh, their service at home, the Shabbat service. And we had a neighbor, they do it until 1 o'clock in the morning. And I mean loud. And our bedroom was right next to the space uh, that was facing their dining room for some reason. So that's where all the singing was coming from. And we complained again and again. Even when our windows were closed, we could hear it. And they were loud. And they wouldn't, just wouldn't do it. We complained, complained. And then the choice was, okay, now we have to go to court. But the genius that I am, is what I took is I went ahead and took very loud speakers, very large speakers that we had, and put them up against our window facing their dining room because they wouldn't even put their air conditioning on. This was during the summer, so the windows were open. And I turned on uh, the worst metal rock station, radio station that I could, turned the dial a little bit so it was very staticky, you know how stations come in and they're staticky, so that adds another bit of flavor to the music, if you want to call it music. And then we left and went to, jacked it up and left and went to a movie. Hey, knock your socks off. You know, enjoy, sing. That worked. This is Handle on the Law. I, 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 I'm in over my, I'm in over my head. I'm in over my head. And uh, good morning. 
on a Saturday. Handle here until 11 o'clock. More handle on uh, the law. All right. <clears throat> David. Hello, David. Good morning. Yes, sir. I, ha- I had uh, cataract surgery uh, just about a year ago, and uh, it went bad on one of the eyes. And uh, I mean, it's bad. By I, my vision is like twenty four hundred at the best. And uh, you know, I'm sure I signed away my life with the doctor's office. No, 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 no. You, yeah, let me. Uh, first of all, let me correct you for a moment. You don't sign malpractice away. All right, that you don't. So uh, there's all kinds of informed consent that what might happen. But when we talk about what might happen, we don't talk malpractice. That can't be waived. But so you had cataracts removed, but you can still see through that eye. You just need really thick glasses. Uh, except they can't correct it. They're, oh, they can't they correct it. All right. All right. All right. So now let's talk. So you have permanent damage to one of your eyes. Uh, if there is liability, now we're talking some real money, my man, uh, because uh, eyeballs uh, tend to be uh, there's a lot of damage there. Now, here is uh-huh. the problem. Has the doctor done anything wrong? Or are you one of those X percentage of people that simply it goes south even if the doctor does everything right? Because there are percentages. There is a percentage of people that react badly, that they don't heal the proper way. Uh, and it, even the best doctor in the world performing the best surgery, it's going to happen. And the only way you're going to know is you're going to have to get a second, uh, a second opinion, a medical opinion. Uh, so uh, do you have a lawyer on this at all? No. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Uh, go to handleonthelaw.com, the website, my website, and we have medical mal- we have medical malpractice attorneys, and you want to send an email uh, or even a phone call to any number of them. Choose, choose the attorney you want or just start talking and see which one uh, you want to talk to. They then, if there's anything there, they'll, look, they'll pull the file because that's your medical file. They will send the file to a medical expert, another ophthalmologist, uh, who will ascertain, because when you're doing it, we're dealing with a medical malpractice uh, case, it has to be certified, which means another doctor has to say there's malpractice here. And if that's the case, and you're not paying for any of this, by the way, if that's the case, mm-hmm. uh, then they're going to go forward. And if you're one of those people that just react badly, you're out of luck. You know, you're well, just, uh, wear, wear a patch, so at least you can pretend you can say, all day long. <laughs> Well, he said that happens about one in three thousand. Okay, and well. and you may be the one in three thousand, as I said. There's still no liability involved with for them. What do you mean? There's no liability? Not if they've done everything right. Well, if they haven't, if they uh, haven't committed malpractice, if the doctor did not commit malpractice, why should the doctor be responsible for no matter what he does right? He still should still suck it up. I mean, that's well, just not... I don't believe he did. I don't believe he did everything right. And how do you know? And how do you know that? And how? And how do you know that? Because the other eye turned out perfect. It doesn't matter. You could have reacted one way or the other. And if you say I don't think that uh, I don't think that he did everything right, then the question that I ask you is: uh, What residency? What uh, after you finished medical school and you did your residency in ophthalmology? Where was that? Only thing I can tell you is I, uh, right. I can't see out of one. I understand. Now we're back to the same the same situation. 
And yeah. frankly, yeah. all you know is that you have a problem with your vision in your right eye. And it's a real problem. Correct. You can't say, I think yeah. he did something wrong. It's going to take another doctor. It's going to have to take uh, – there's a lot of steps before you can point to a doctor and say, there you go. And if you point to a doctor with that bad eye, you'll point in the wrong direction. You know that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Now, let's finish up with um, uh, your data, okay? So here's a stat that uh, I, I found staggering. Uh, the number of confirmed data breaches in 2018 were up 420% from 2017, uh, 2018 also saw a 71% jump in dark web activity. 14 billion stolen identity records exchanging hands uh, all around the world. I mean, that's a, that's incredible. Cyber criminals switch their focus from big corporations to less protected small businesses, and they're moving away from the big business because they just do a better job of security. So uh, let me tell you about LifeLock, protecting your identity. For example, your social, num- social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information being used, they'll alert you that there is a problem. And boom, then you get to work. And if there is a problem, they will work to fix it. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction or every business. But LifeLock, that is some serious protection, which is why I've been a customer for so long. And I have personal experience where they saved and let me know what was going on. And my daughter, Barbara, had a real issue and they pulled her problems out. I just literally pulled her problems uh, and uh, they just did a phenomenal job. All right. So you get 10% off your first year using the promo code HANDLE. Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or go to lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. That's 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or uh, visit lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. Matter of fact, this is Handle on the Law. advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, as a big fan of uh, the death penalty, I've been supremely disappointed uh, with the Supreme Court's views, both state and federal, dealing with executions. Well, here's the latest. There's an inmate, uh, this is Texas, who was part of a band of prison escapees uh, known as the Texas Seven, and uh, during his escape, he went out and killed a couple of people, so... Uh, He was, guess what? Death penalty now applies. And so just as he was about to go into the death chamber, as he was about to have the lethal injection rendered onto him, the state Supreme Court held it up, said, nope, and here's why. Because it was a religious argument he has. Now, not a religious argument saying God doesn't want me to die. Uh, God loves life. That generally doesn't fly. But it had to do with uh, everybody is allowed to have a clergyman or woman in the death chamber, not just outside as a witness, literally in the death chamber with an inmate. 
And there's only two kinds that are allowed. And they are Muslim and Christian. No Jews, interestingly enough. Well, Jews don't normally get the death penalty anyway. But guess what? He's a self-proclaimed Buddhist. And he said, I want a Buddhist. And they didn't have a Buddhist. So he got his stay based on religious discrimination. Uh, The court wrote, uh, and this is uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, not the uh, Texas Supreme Court. The U.S., because Texas just wants everybody dead. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, the newest uh, Supreme Court justice, wrote, as this court has repeatedly held governmental discrimination against religion, in particular discrimination against religious persons, religious organizations, religious speech, violates the Constitution. Wow. So uh, there you go. Oh, and I stand corrected. Uh, Their religious advisor in the viewing room, uh, which is adjacent to, not in the death chamber. So I stand corrected on that one. But uh, no Buddhist, no execution. It's fine. So what does Texas do? They give them a Buddhist. They haul in a Buddhist. And uh, the only thing he can argue is, I just had a change of heart. I've become a Unitarian. That ain't going to fly. All right, let's take some phone calls. Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Yes. Yes, ma'am. My husband was a 50% owner uh, in an S corporation. Uh, The two partners were the only board members uh, and directors. Uh, My husband passed away, and the shares were transferred to me. I just, and both partners paid themselves in equal distributions. Uh, I just found out that the remaining partner has been paying himself uh, distributions and making an equal check labeled as distribution in my husband's name uh, back to the company's credit line because and the so, credit line. So as distribution. Wait a second. Name. As distribution, but were they made out to your husband's estate or to you now, or they were made out to the company? Made out to the company. Okay. And yeah, you got a big. You've got an issue here. You got an issue. You're going to need a business lawyer. How much money are we talking about here, Lisa? Uh, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely time for a lawyer. Can I take it to the county or to the district no. attorney? No, no, oh. that's no, no. It's a civil issue. Uh, that's, it's just so it's expensive. Yeah, it is. It's expensive, but you're uh, you have to do it. You have no choice other than, other than you're not going to see any money. So you take it, and uh, there may be uh, statutory attorney's fees probably under these circumstances, but that's why you want to go to a business lawyer and just sit down and try to figure out what this is all about. I mean, you have no choice at this point, for sure. Wynn. Hi, Wynn. What's up? What can I do? Yes, sir. I have had an accident with a car backed out of a parking space, uh, T-boned me. Not that much damage, mostly cosmetic. Only about fifteen hundred dollars to repair. The insurance company says the car is only twelve hundred dollars. I got offered twenty five hundred dollars for the car just uh, two months before this. What can I do with the insurance company? You say no. Well, I say no, no, and and they turn my car into the DMV as a salvage value. Not yet. They already did. That well, how can they do that? Uh, and if that's, that's the I case, said. yeah. And if that's the case, I'd sue the insurance company for the twenty five hundred dollars. Now, when they turn what? it in for the salvage value, how big of a check did they give you? Uh, Eleven hundred and 
Uh, $98. All right. No, 10, so you want to, So sue them for the difference. Sue them. Sue well, them. I can't sue the insurance company. Sure you can. Well, it's, it's the person who has the, uh, the insurance. Yeah, I'm no, you the, sue uh, their insurance company. Now, did you accept? Did you uh, accept the check? Did you sign on? I finally on? did. I then there's nothing you can do. If, if you've already accepted the offer and you said, yes, I will take this money, and part of it is uh, at that point you're done, you're finished, you have no uh, lawsuit anymore, you've waived all rights by, by cashing the check, and you signed the document, there's no place to go. When No place. I never, I never signed a document, but I got the check. They sent it to me twice. And, and they uh, calling me up. And you cashed it. And I finally did yesterday. But All right, but but you never signed a document uh, settling the case. No. Okay. Well, then you're in pretty good shape. I would sue uh, the company, and they can say you accepted it. You go. Well, that's right. I took a well, part. Don't I have to sue the uh, the the person who hit me because it's their insurance company? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but you're going to be talking to the other insurance company. What you're doing is you you'll be suing the person that hit you for the difference of the value or not. And the argument that they're going to have is that you accepted the check. And the argument you're going to have is, that's right, that's partial payment. Okay. That's it. That's what you do. It's that simple. Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Hi. Uh, my wife has had braces on for 15 years. Um, her teeth are rotting out. Um, the dentist doesn't want to seem to do anything. Um, does my wife... Can she sue him? Wait a minute. Or, what is she doing with braces for 15 years? That's what we've said. We've gone to other dentists, and they said they can't do touch it. Because wait, 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 wait. You've gone to all the dentists. When was the first time after the braces were installed that you then went to a dentist? How, how much um, time elapsed? I'm, I'm not sure. I just know she's had braces on from the same dentist for 15 years. And, and, has, and, it has, and has gone to the dentist for 15 yeah. years. Same dentist. Same, All right. Same when, is, when is the last time uh, she went to the dentist? The last time she went to the, a, a different dentist was just last week. Okay, last week. Who won't touch it? But the first dentist, the one yeah, who installed it, when was the last time that she went to that dentist? Oh, two weeks ago. Okay. And he's still, he's and, still working on And he won't touch it. He won't remove the the, uh, the braces, right? Because he said that they're almost finished. They're almost, the teeth are almost straight now, but now they're wrong. After 15 years, the teeth are almost straight? Yep. All right. You, you've got a, a, a huge dental malpractice case on your hands, I think. Uh, just, you, I- you go to a dental malpractice attorney. It's a medical malpractice attorney who has done work with dentists. Boy, that's okay. that's really clear cut. I mean, that is uh, who the hell keeps braces on for fifteen years, and then it says you're almost straightened out, huh? This is handle on the law. Don't you worry, baby. No sis trying to change it. I'ma strike these matches. Never had control. Bill Handel here. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Vince! Hi, Vince. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Vince. Hey, are you there? Yes, sir. There we go. 
quick question. Um, my uh, fiance was uh, thrown in a pool and uh, had a uh, had a frat party, broke her neck in like three different places. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's pretty brutal. And uh, but she won a, uh, a personal injury settlement uh, for nine hundred ninety thousand. And uh, what happened is the guy showed up at court with an attorney, then fired his attorney, and then fled to New Mexico and became a cop. So we just found him a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to know what's the process of getting the sister judgment. And how now long that's is it fairly easy. That's fairly easy. What you do is okay. simply have New Mexico recognize the judgment as a New Mexico judgment. It is a procedural okay. matter. It's simply uh, paperwork. There, no one's going to fight it. They can't say no. And then you and then you give him the judgment, and uh, believe me, his uh, uh, his employers are not going to be very happy. So uh, what I would do is, yeah, go. I would I would call a, an attorney, any civil attorney in uh, New Mexico, and say, what is it going to cost me to obtain a, civ- a civil uh, a sister state judgment? And it shouldn't be all that much money. Okay, and but my uh, my next question is. Um, uh, what problems might arise? I mean, he gets the he gets served, and he's working for a police department. You garnish uh, his wages. You garnish his wages okay. is what you do. And if the police department fires him for any reason, then uh, and they probably will. Uh, but as, uh-huh. especially if he lied on his application, because they asked, "Do you have any judgments against you?" And right. uh, I'm assuming he said no, but maybe not. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, if uh, you you garnish his wages, you get a percentage of his wages for the rest of his life, uh, unless he decides at some point to go bankrupt. But he can't if he keeps paying you. If you get the wages, he'll never be able to go bankrupt, and uh, that's it. And then if he gets fired, then you have to trace him down again. It's not that complicated. Okay. All right, good luck. Uh, that is a tough one, especially when there are no deep pockets. You can't go after an individual. Hi, Billy. Hello. Yes, sir. What can hey. I do for you? Okay, Bill. Last month, my buddies went to Palop, Nevada to uh, pick up some fireworks. Now, on the way back in the California side at the ag- agriculture stop there, whatever it is, he was pulled over by uh, California Highway Patrol and fire people. They made him open his trunk. They found the fireworks. Wait a minute. They made him open his trunk. Did he say no? No, no. They just said open your trunk. Right. And did he say no? No, he, he he opened his trunk. All right, well, that's his problem. So what is your, yeah, your question is, was that legal search and seizure? Exactly. Did they have probable cause to make him do that? Uh, they can they stop him. Trunk. You can stop at a border crossing any time, especially uh, for agricultural reasons. They can stop you and say, do you have any agricultural products that you're bringing in? They can do that all day long. Now, the issue is, did they have a right to go into the trunk? He said yes. Well, he said, open your trunk. Right, and he said yes, as opposed to saying, no, I'm not opening my trunk. And what would they do then? Uh, Then one of two things. They, uh, at gunpoint, force him to open the trunk uh, or walk away or uh, detain him maybe uh, for a warrant they would have to get or come up with some kind of BS probable cause. But the trick is you say, no, I'm not going to let you search my car. No, I'm not going to, you know, no, you can't just arbitrarily search my car and start fishing for evidence. And then, of course, they come back, then they come back and say, well, if you didn't have anything to hide, why would you say no? Because I know my rights. Because you're the police and we live in a state, we live in a country where the police don't just arbitrarily start searching places. That's the answer. The fireman gave him a ticket. The fireman gave him a ticket, and they gave him a ticket for $1,250. Yeah, well, it doesn't, it's always, uh, a ticket for parking today is $1,250.
Well, can he beat that ticket? Maybe. You want to argue illegal search and seizure, but he's the one that said yes, Billy. What's, yeah, what's he going? What is he going to say? What is his argument? You think? Well, I, well any, I'm, a, I'm a retired New York City cop, and you know, somebody says no to me. You know, I'm going to find a way to make him say yes. Well, okay, that's a different story, and that and that's why I said they're either going to come up with probable cause, which is BS, which of course, right. uh, because you know, if a guy says no, he's hinky as hell, obviously. Because if there is nothing to hide, for example, if a cop came up to me and said, I want to search your car, I go, go right ahead. I don't care. Right. And unless the cop is going to plant some evidence in there, and then I'm screwed no matter what happens. But, right. what? Well, you know, you, that's, you have exactly the, the case. Uh, you are going to come up with some reason, but at least make it difficult. Because if he knew he had illegal yeah. fireworks, I mean, Bill, let me ask you this. Let's say you're stopped and you have illegal fireworks. And a uh, police officer, a peace officer, says, "Open your trunk." What are you going to say? I don't know until I get there. I really don't. All right. Well, I, I mean, I would think you tell him to go pound sand because if he's going to get in anyway, yeah, you might as well. You might as well try and say no. Right. So anyway, I, I, you know, and you're right, but you know, it's also different. This was California, right? Right. Yeah, California cops are different than New York cops. Tell me about it. Uh, very, very different. One of the things, and I always bring this story up because I have cop friends, uh, saying if anybody, for example, tries to bribe a cop, you hand over a driver's license with a $20 bill uh, connected to it or attached or anything else, you would better have an out-of-state driver's license. And right. the cop will say, we don't do that here. If yeah. you have a California driver's license and you try to slip them 20 bucks, you're in handcuffs. Now, in exactly. New York, you can hand them 20 bucks, and he'll ask for more and give you change. That's right. They used to say 10 in the corner across the, bar, uh, the bridge. Yeah. Uh, All right. And $10 fine. Yeah, yeah I know. That's Billy. Sounds like a New York cop, doesn't he? Sounds like a retired cop. He does. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. to handle on the law marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. Hi, Glenn. Yes, Bill. Yes, yes sir. Onwards we go. Oh. What can I do for you? I'm going to talk with you. I have um, I got a small claims case I filed, and um, the, the, the quick scenario is, is I do a carpentry work, and this woman I've done work for in the past, she called me to do more work. And uh, she had a designer she hired to remodel her kitchen. Apparently, she uh, paid him a lot of money to pay everybody, all the other contractors. So this woman called me to do the work of uh, some texturing, carpentry work. How much painting. money? How much money are we talking about? Uh, the, the 
the particulars. There's three separate jobs. There are I don't care how much total. How much total is owed to you right now? Uh, Fourteen hundred. Yeah. Well, here's the problem you've got, and that is anything over five hundred dollars have to be a written contract. Now, do you have individual jobs that are under five hundred dollars each? Uh, no, they're all right about a thousand. You got a problem. Each. I would still sue yeah. in small claims court. I would sue her and him and see if they argue the five hundred dollar contract. If they do, you're gone. But at least you're going to be. Right. In, but at least I would try at least get him in front of uh, the uh, small claims judge, and they may or may not want to settle with you because the last thing uh, a designer who's busy wants to do is spend an entire day in court. Okay. All right. Try that and see what happens. Gloria, hi Gloria. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Gloria, you there? Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Okay, I have a question about probate. Yes. Uh, have investment property switched out of my trust uh, into my name in order to refinance if they require that. And now I need to switch it back. My son is real irritated with me that I haven't done it sooner. What, what is the procedure? You and just transfer it back into the trust. But, but do I need an attorney to do oh, that? Well, uh, how much money are we talking about? Uh, one house at six hundred, one house at seven hundred. You know, probably 000. not because you took it out of the trust, and all right. you do is write a, a quit claim deed from you back into the trust. Okay, that's uh, it. And then that's all you do. Do I, to, do I have to have that recorded? Yes, it's a it's a deed. It's a deed of trust. You have to have it recorded. Okay, and I don't need an attorney to do it. I don't think so. And what what are the court costs? To- not much. It's just a transfer fee, and it's it's, it's not very much. And it's not okay. court costs. It's a recording cost. And that's it, because my son is telling me it's 40%. No, no, no. He's probably talking about some tax issue. It's not 40%. How can it be 40% of the value to transfer property back into a trust? Well, $600,000 is going to cost you, what, $250,000 to transfer a piece of property back into a yeah, trust? Right. Your son's a, Your son's an idiot. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It's uh, wow. No children are ever idiots, are they? Absolutely not. Mark. Yes, sir. Okay. What can I do for you? Hi. I was working for two individuals for about thirty years. They never paid into my Social Security, and you can already tell me till your end of time that I'm stupid. So I wanted to know if I can approach Social Security, pay them back, kind of like a lump sum that I accumulated to reinstate it. Maybe. I-, I think you can. You call the folks at Social Security, uh, and these guys, uh, it's interesting. They tell you they paid into Social Security? Do your check show Social Security? Nothing. I got paid under the table, and I didn't even know right from wrong at that Wait time. Wait a second. Oh. You got paid under the table... For what? Thirty years, nearly thirty years. And now, years. and now you're looking for Social Security. No, I'm actually working in a legitimate job right now, where I do get it. Right. Do you have any idea how much it's going to cost you? Uh, no, I sure don't. A lot. But I thought I could pay them back since I accumulated a substantial amount. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you this: How much money do you earn? How much do I earn now, or how much did I save? How much did you earn over the years? That's all that matters. About uh, 100000 I'd say. That's it? Yeah. 100000 over 30 years? Oh, yeah, I would say so. Wait a sec. You earned $100,000 total over 30 years. You made thirty. You made $3,000 a year. Yeah. That's it. You know, uh, I'd call the Social Security folks. And tell them, because you may be able to, uh, and you saved a substantial amount of money? 
Yes, in fact. Uh, How much I, money have you saved? I've saved uh, about the same. Yeah, you can buy. You probably can buy off. Yeah, I think so. Call them up and find out what the figure is. I think you might be surprised how little it is. I mean, there's penalties, but you also, uh, yeah, the problem is with all the penalties, too. You may get nailed. Just find out. But an attorney wouldn't be the right thing to go to? No, I don't think so. I'd call Social Security, and the problem is, do you use your name or not? Because you've admitted not paying into Social Security. Uh, Only only because I was foolish enough to have... Yeah, you can't can't say that. You can't say I was foolish enough. Although I have to tell you, at $3,000 a year, I don't think you pay into Social Security. I think that's such a little amount of money. I'd call them up and say, I earn $3,000 a year. Yeah. And see what happens. You also have to amend all kinds. I assume you didn't file any taxes either. Uh, No, only for the past three years when I got Oh, then you're good. Then you're good. Uh, I would talk to an accountant. An actual accountant? Yeah, I'd start with that. Anybody who has experience with the IRS... Probably has some experience with Social Security, maybe not, or call the Social Security office and say, hey, I've got an issue here, and I want to know if it can be resolved. If this happened and that happened, don't say it happened to me. Give them a hypothetical. Oh, I know that, but I'm right. curious if you've ever had people with the same problem call you No, up. no, I've never had people with the same problem. You know how weird you are with this? Well, it's only Under the table for 30 years? That's right. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Yeah, I never, but good congratulations for being the first person who's ever called me. I'm sure you've had ca- calls like this. No? Dusty. Hello, Dusty. Hey, Mr. Bill. Yeah, I get off, uh, get off the speaker. If you're on a speaker phone, this is not good. No, I'm not. A, okay, all right, let me shut it off. All right. You there? Did I'm I, there. Okay, there you are. Okay. Hey, listen. Uh, I'm a truck driver, and I was making a I was making a, a steel delivery a curbside, and uh, I was ba- I backed up alongside the curb. I had a foreman uh, watching watching my back. There was a pickup truck behind me, and he backed me all the way up to uh, about a foot from that pickup truck that belonged to an electrician on the job site, and uh, it was an apartment housing, brand new senior uh, uh, coming out of the ground anyway. So I'm delivering steel. Well, after I'm all delivered and they're, and they're carrying the steel in, uh, I'm ready to take off. And uh, uh, so I'm I'm going down the uh, as I was leaving, my truck had rolled my truck had rolled into uh, into the truck and did did some damage. So they got the they got the electrician, and uh, he says, "Well, he says, you need your you need your license." He says, "How are you going to get through this?" Well, we got. You know what? I, I, you know what? You're cutting out so much that the call just doesn't make any sense. But it sounds like I'm going to answer. You have no case. My truck rolled into another truck, even though he backed me up to within a foot. Okay, I don't care if he backed you up to within an inch. You can't hit the guy, and you do. You're going to get nailed. How about that for an answer for a question that I didn't understand? This is Handle on the Law. Floating in outer space, have I misplaced a part of my soul? Lost in the in-between, or so it seems I'm out of control. Floating in outer space, have I misplaced a part of my soul? This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Hey, Don. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, thanks, Bill. Uh, 
recently a friend of mine got picked up by uh, THP uh, for DUI. He flew over the limit, uh, was arrested and booked, but never got read his rights. Okay. Is that his get-out-of-jail-free card? Oh, absolutely not, because... The only thing about Miranda warnings is anything you say prior to being Mirandized uh, cannot be used in court. And uh, only when you are have become a suspect or are ready to go. For example, asking you questions. How many drinks have you had? You're not a suspect yet. So a, that is, you don't need Miranda warnings for that. Incidentally, did he uh, blow a breathalyzer? He did. He was point one. Well, that's that's it. They don't need what he said. As a matter of fact, quite often the cops don't even bring up what he said because they don't have to say anything. They're using they're not using what he said. They're using the fact that he blew point one on a breathalyzer. So okay. no, uh, he screwed. Okay. All right. Yeah. There's the answer. Uh, no Miranda warnings are what you say. Anything you say can be used against you. That's a Fifth Amendment issue. And there's a whole world to that, too. For example, forcing you to take a breathalyzer. That is you testifying against yourself. Uh, Is that reasonable? Yeah, the courts have said they can force you to do a breathalyzer. Um, The other thing is, uh, well, I mean, there's a lot to it. Handwriting analysis, for example. Yeah, they can take a handwriting analysis and force you to do that. DNA test. That's not uh, testifying against yourself. So there's a lot. All right, Bobby, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Bill, I got carjacked in the middle of the night. They broke my ribs, broke my jaw, broke my faceplate, broke my nose, and broke my skull. I was able to run away for my life and make it to uh, the boulevard and get some people to stop and call 911. And the 911 dispatcher sent all the first responders to an address three miles away. And I don't know, it took 20 minutes for them to come find me. Is there anything I can do about this? Is well, hold on. Did you call 911 or did someone else call 911? I flagged some car. I flagged uh, some good Samaritans down. And they called 911. They, they called 911. Right. I took the phone and I told the 911 operator exactly where I was. Yeah. All right. So let me throw this at you. Uh, assuming they showed up instead of 20 minutes, five minutes later, what would have changed? They probably could have got my car probably. and all my stuff. Really? How do you know? Uh, I don't. That's right. And that's exactly the question. So let's say you decide you're going to sue. And the argument then is they could have, they if, if they had shown up in five minutes or three minutes, my car would have been saved. And then the question is, Bobby, how do you know? Well, I don't know. See how tough Thank that you know. is? Yeah, the I don't know makes it very, very tough, as in, how about this? Impossible. Xavier. Hello. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I'm interested in going bankruptcy, and I would like to know, I owe approximately $30,000, and um, would that be enough money to start a bankruptcy? Sure. It depends on a whole lot of factors, Xavier. It depends on how much money you have in assets beyond owing $30,000 and what kind of income do you have? And if it's credit card debt, uh, what was the time pass? What time passes between filing the 
bankruptcy and the last time you used those cards. So all of those factors. So are you working, Xavier? I am working, how sir. Much, and how much money are you making? I make $25 an hour. Um, yeah. I, already a bankruptcy judge would say, I don't know about you going bankrupt, because you can pay off creditors at $25 an hour. $25 well, an hour is how much money? Uh, approximately about forty-five to 50000 a year. Yeah, they're not going to let you go bankrupt on that. However, I have, you know, my mortgage takes a great deal amount of that money right off the top yeah. because I made $35 an hour at one time doing okay, paying off everything. Well, all right. Recession so let's, now all right. So let's, say, so let's say the judge buys that uh, and uh, you're allowed. Uh, it, it depends on Chapter 11 maybe. So let's, uh, let's talk about when you use the credit cards. Uh, what's the last time you used a credit card? Approximately eight years ago. Oh, really? So really. the the amount of money that you owe, the $30,000, who do you owe it to? Well, one of the cards was Visa for about $15,000. And, and wait, wait. And when was the last time you paid that card? How many, How long ago? I'd have to say six years ago. Then that can't be touched. You don't owe that money. Okay, do you, I still you, need to go to the bankruptcy? Maybe, but you, don't, but you don't owe $15,000. So there it knocks off fifteen grand right there, Xavier, because it passed the statute of limitations. They can't sue you for that. Where's the okay. other, other $15,000? You're, uh, you're not paying that credit card, are you? I am not. Okay. When, uh, how about the other card? How much do you owe on the other cards? I'm assuming it's all, yeah. it's all credit card debt? No, it's not all credit card. There would be some medical expenses, minor medical expenses. Okay, when was and... the last time? How long ago was it that you, you didn't pay the medical expenses? I'd have to say about four years ago. If it's over four years, they have, they have no place to go. Okay, you don't, uh, owe, you don't owe that money. And if they haven't sued you yet, they won't. So now we, now we have the medical expenses gone. What's left? How much money do you owe to whom? What's left? And when was the last time you paid? Uh, that's pretty much all. That's pretty much you, all. Then, you, then uh, Xavier, you don't owe any money. Okay. You all do right. not owe money because they're all past the statute of limitations. So there's nothing to go bankrupt on because you don't owe the money. All right. This is Handle on the Law.